The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Six Podcast, CBS Sports' daily NFL podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. This is the day two recap. Excited to start this podcast at 1.30 in the morning rather than two, due mainly to our, our uh, junior weatherman's responsibilities. <laughs> Ryan Wilson got off the Telestrator at 1.30. We're pumped for it. We're going to have Ryan Wilson, Josh Edwards doing this thing. I want to break down a couple of fun facts here before we get into the podcast, though. Going to blow your mind, Ryan. Maybe yours, Josh, too. 13 wide receivers taken in the first two rounds. That breaks the record of 12 set in 2014. Notably, Mike Evans, Brandon Cooks, Kevin Benjamin, Sammy Watkins traded up for, et cetera, et cetera. Alabama and LSU each had seven players taken in the first two rounds. That's the fifth and sixth time that's happened in the common draft era. LSU's 10 players taken in the first three rounds ties Ohio State from 2016 for the most ever. And then this is the best. I don't know if you guys know this. Football is family, right? Trayvon Diggs, Stefan Diggs, huh? Huh? Yeah, yeah. Michael Pittman Jr., uh, you know, the, the wide receiver drafted by the Colts. Good draft pick. We'll talk about it in a second. But he is the son, of course, of Michael Pittman, the running back. This is where we feel old as hell. And then uh, Drew Nakura was drafted by the Lions at 67. His brother, Romeo, is already on the Lions. And the best one of all, the best footballist family of all, Antoine Winfield Jr., who should have been a first-round pick, was drafted by Tampa Bay. So the guy, his new teammate, Tom Brady, was intercepted by his father in 2001. Bang, Wilson, what do you think about that? So Antoine, uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. was probably two or three years old. That is bonkers. 2001, uh, I was living in Pittsburgh and going to graduate school. That is, Josh is probably two or three years old too now that I think about it. Wow. Disrespected Josh. He's young. How old were you in 2001, Josh? 2001, I would have been 11. Yeah. Okay. Great. Not too helping, Josh. <laughs> I was a uh, I was a second sophomore in college in 2001. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd get a better laugh than that. Well, I was doing the math. I was like, that's, that's something that you do at the country club. But now I understand. You were just you were enjoying uh, your time in the educational institution, uh, whichever one that was. 
Right. Victory lap. Taking the victory lap. There you go. I, the second sophomore lap is not a victory lap. <laughs> it's a, Have you used that joke before? It's a, it's a shame walk is what the second sophomore is. Uh, we're going to go over day two picks here. Check the feed. We got day one action. Of course. <laughs> Actually, our, our props did pretty well. They started out slow in day two and then caught fire. Uh, I'll say this. Hey, let me ask uh, you quickly, though. Is this the first year you've done props and draft? Is this the first year those, those have been available? No. Uh, they've been more, they, they are more available this year because of the, uh, quarantine than before. Gotcha. Okay. I knew over there, a new relationship with William Hill. I didn't know if that was something I had not paid attention before, but I certainly have the last few weeks. And, um, I think the takeaway is they're, they're hard or is it just luck? No, well, no, like I took, I hammered the over on Jacob from, or Jake from and Jacob Eason. And yeah, those, they're, so, they're not even drafted. Do you know what Jacob Eason's pre-draft over-under was? It was 52 like yesterday. What is it? What was it then? It was 40, 42 and a half or something. Yeah. I, I love the over-under. money. But you had also the over on Jalen Hurts, right? Yeah, but, but I mean, what happens is like, you got to think about like how Vegas makes money. They take players who are popular and yeah. – Put the number lower than it should be and then juice it up if you want to take the under. So if someone leaps up and takes them, they can make their money. And if not, like, like most people are going to be like, Oh, like Fromm's definitely going before 70th pick and we get plus money. Let's take it. No, well, so. you are the cautionary tale because last year you literally bet your house on Garrett Bradbury under five and that did not work out. Under five? He went the first round. What are you talking about? I'm joking because Garrett Bradbury was not the offensive rookie of the year like he thought he was. It, it, that joke was much better than the, the second sophomore joke. Neither got a laugh. All right, let's go. Joke. All right, let's get to uh, – uh, hold on. I got some breaking news in my ear. Hold on. What's that? Yes? Really? Wow. The Philadelphia Eagles took Jalen Hurts with it. a second-round pick. My God. Somebody's stolen Debo's microphone and uh, has alerted me to the fact that they have drafted – Carson Wentz's replacement with a second-round pick. What do you think, Wilson? I want to hear what Debo thinks first because he liked the Jalen Rager pick yesterday, the first-round pick, uh, even though Eagles fans initially weren't super pumped about it because Justin Jefferson was still <laughs> Debo is in full, full Howie Roseman spin mode. Debo well, may be Howie Roseman's I think I can defend it, too. What does Debo think? I mean, during this time of, of crisis, people are down. <laughs> I'm trying to keep some positive energy. I know Ryan's been going for – 14 hours today, but I'm going to be really energetic right now. Um, all I needed to see was a real slick smile from Doug Peterson after that pick was called in. And I know this guy's just been in quarantine cooking up all sorts of plays, knowing that he's going to add some weapons and that Hurts is one of those weapons. It's not a quarterback controversy. It's not any disrespect to Carson Wentz. He's not going to be threatened. I think the primary priority is – adding Hertz as a weapon and an asset, and then the backup priority is adding him as an insurance policy, but I don't think that's the primary reason they're adding him. I am in favor of it, I'm sold, and I'm also on the complete opposite side of 98% of Eagles fans, I think. I want to read I want to read what Howie Roseman said, because I think that this actually lends some credence to Debo's little you know, uh, uh, state politics theory. So he's, like, he's like, I work for the government. Don't blame me. Propaganda. Uh, it's, it's pure propaganda. Exactly. But Howie Rosen made a very, a, a statement immediately. Uh, this is from Mike Garofalo 
friend of the program. Why haven't we had Mike Garofalo on this program? We should have him on. Uh, anyway, he said, we believe this is the guy. And when he says the guy, he means Carson Wentz to lead us to our next Super Bowl championship. But for better or worse, we are quarterback developers. We want to be a quarterback factory. We have the right people in place to do that. No team, the National Football League, has benefited more from developing quarterbacks than the Philadelphia Eagles. So, Josh, what do you think? Thumbs up? Thumbs down? Little wavering thumb uh, a la Gladiator for Jalen Hurts to the Eagles in the second round? Yeah, I'm going to have to give this a thumbs down. Um, I thought it was a little bit early for what is essentially a backup quarterback. I understand the Saints um, have obviously been the pioneers of this trend where you get a guy like Taysom Hill that's going to be able to throw the ball, run the ball. You like having some packages for a guy like that. But Jalen Hurts, um, you know, he's not going to be a starter anytime soon. And Philadelphia obviously knows that that's the plan. So for me to take a backup quarterback that early is probably a little unnecessary. Um, but the backup quarterback might be more valuable to them because Carson Wentz has a little bit more of a medical history than uh, some other quarterbacks across the league. Um, did you want to respond, Brinson, or may I? You may go ahead. Thank you very much. Uh, so here's the thing. I like it, Debo. I- I'm with you. D- Josh I- Josh is right. It-, it feels a little high for – because, look, we've been talking for months that Jalen Hurts is probably a third-round pick, maybe later, and we've suddenly arrived <laughs> the second day of the draft, and he's a second-round pick. Uh, I like what he offers. I think he's better than Taysom Hill. He's not as fast as Taysom Hill, but he's a better quarterback. Uh, and, and I like the fact, I like what Harry Roseman said about developing quarterbacks. And this is what I said on HQ, uh, earlier on, uh, after the, the day two concluded. Um, ask the, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers if they would like to have had Jalen Hurts last year. Or, or ask the Jaguars when they drafted Gardner Minshew, who's now hey, the Hey, Ryan. Yeah. Ask, ask the Eagles when they were trotting out a dead ass Josh McCown if right. they'd like to have Jalen Hurts last year. Jalen Hurts wins that game against the Seahawks. He so does. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. That would be my argument is that like, look, what, look, you, you spent a second round pick, but this is a franchise that literally won a Super Bowl because their backup quarterback caught a touchdown pass from their backup tight end. Like this is a this whole franchise is built on the idea that depth is better than star power. And if if you want to go head to head, the Cowboys are the ultimate stars and scrubs team and the Eagles are the ultimate depth team. And Carson Wentz doesn't stay healthy. He doesn't. That's, kind of thing. That's he right. Doesn't, he doesn't play healthy. He doesn't stay healthy. He won't be healthy. He's a great quarterback. He could be this year's MVP if he plays 16 games, but he's never healthy. As Bill Parcells said, I'm still ranting. Hold on, Wilson. As Bill Parcells said, the best ability is availability. And you know it doesn't have it so far? Carson Wentz. I don't think Debo appreciates your your line uh, where you're headed here. But I, I will say this. and On the other side of the coin, we haven't really talked about it. I'd be interested to hear what you guys think, Debo included. Uh, what if Jalen Hurst doesn't want to be Taysom Hill? What if he wants to be a quarterback? And he's over here doing all these stupid things to head Lamar Jackson doing it in year one. <laughs> where, where, where Joe Flacco's throwing a medicine ball when he's running routes and Lamar's like, I'm not going to jump for that ball. I know what you're up to, old man. Oh, Josh, you, you watch the college stuff enough that you know that, I mean, you saw Jalen Hurts, like, I mean, look, also, by the way, uh, Carson Wentz got like, like Nick Foles won a Super Bowl when he replaced Carson Wentz. 
Tua Tungavaloa won a, a, a national championship when he replaced Jalen Hurts. So these guys actually have something to bond over. They can hang out and talk about how their replacements like won titles when they were sitting on the bench. But Josh, you watch this. And, like, do you think that I, I feel like Jalen Hurts is a good enough teammate where he won't throw some hissy fit? Yeah, I mean, he's a he's a high-quality person. You look at what he encountered when he was at Alabama behind Tuatanga Bailoa. I mean, he was the starter in the national championship game. They bring Jalen or they bring Tua off the bench um, to come into that game, and, and Jalen never got his starting role back, and he handled that um, like a true professional for the entire following season. So, um, you know, this is a guy that's going to handle it well. At the same time, you know, I look at this and I'm thinking – and this is obviously a larger conversation, but it's more of an indictment on Carson Wentz and uh, in his health. I mean, is, is this is this a long term viable option for for Philadelphia? Debo. Mm-mm. Yeah, well, I I think the other side of it is when <laughs> Will you were talking. Read, read the Taysom quote, Debo. The Taysom quote. Uh, this is from uh, Doug Peterson earlier tonight about Jalen Hurts. He said he has a unique skill set. You see what Taysom Hill has done in New Orleans and now how he and Saints QB Drew Brees have a connection there and a bond there. It's just something we're going to explore. And then he went on to say and make a point of emphasis that Jalen Hurts is a quarterback and he is a good quarterback. Um, again, I think it's an insurance policy. I don't think there should be any semblance of a quarterback controversy at any point leading up to the season, during the season, if it so happens that Carson Wentz doesn't happen to be available, Jalen Hurts might come in and, and perform well, but it's nothing I think he's capable Debo. of doing will replace oh, Carson Wentz. Right. I've got I've got something I want to bring up for Debo. Some of your man Press Taylor. I don't know if you know him, yep. quarterback coach of I think the I saw Eagles. This one. I think at some point one of the big things will be having multiple people on the field who can throw the ball, Taylor said Monday. That's something going forward. You've seen the Philly special. You've seen all different versions of double passes. The Eagles are going all in on not Carson Wentz. How do we feel about Was this? Was that a quote from, like, last off season? Last or? year. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, that's different. That, that's literally setting up what they're doing right now. No, that's true. But, but – um. So uh, just to respond to what Debo just said, what happens if, God forbid, Carson Wentz gets hurt for a month and Jalen uh, Hurts goes 4-0? I, I think Carson Wentz still comes back as the starter. <laughs> Why are you I getting? mean, <laughs> unless he's – Carson is 1-6 at that point, but I, I don't envision a s- scenario with that happening. Like, at, at worst, maybe they're a, a 500 team. When, when Carson goes out. So it's, it's interesting. And there's always going to be that, that push because of the past for, for backup quarterbacks. There's been a long history, but in terms of the, the flipping the asset part, the Eagles turned an injured ass Sam Bradford into a first and fourth round pick. They, they turned AJ Feely into a second round pick. And it's all under the Andy Reid regime, which is Doug Peterson was in that. So I, I believe in the, the flipping part of it, if that's if that's their priority, or if it's just the insurance backup. And um, you didn't even say Donovan McNabb. Can I ask a quick question? I don't know what we, we move on if you want to. Why are we less concerned about this uh, Jalen Hurts second round pick than we yesterday? We couldn't quit dumping on on the Packers and Jordan. Great Lundin. question, Ryan. See, that's what great guests do on my podcast. <laughs> they se- <laughs> they segue into uh, the next subject, and that is it. Look, but in all seriousness, I think 
the Eagles won a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. They needed badly a backup quarterback last year. If they'd had a good backup, they would have beaten the Seahawks. Who knows what happened? So I'm not going to – Howie Roseman has a Super Bowl in his belt in the last five years. I'm not blaming him. He's, he's scot-free. If he wants to draft a quarterback in the second round, do it, bro. I don't know why people just like, are Just like Andy Reid. You want to draft a running back in the first round? Do it. You won the Super Bowl last year. Do whatever you want. You have carte blanche. Make your plays. Just the, the other side of it that we haven't truly brought up is a lot of fans were clamoring for someone like Denzel Mims or adding someone that can be on the field near 100% of the time instead of 5, 10, 15, 20% of whatever Hurts could be. But Hurts could be on it 100% of the time if Wentz goes down. But I mm. think there was just that that a lot of prospects were still there at 53, wide receiver, uh, some safety, some linebackers, some edge guys that would have been able to contribute, I think, a little bit more right away, which was was part of it aside from the whole Wentz thing. Oh, by the yeah. way, one more thing before we move on. Davion Taylor, the third-round pick, is going to be awesome. He's a fantastic athlete. Didn't play uh, much in, in high school because of his religion. Started played a little bit of Colorado. Um, Josh, do you, do you think see more think about, about him? No, a Seventh Day Adventist, I believe. Yeah. And I think you know you can't play on Sundays. I don't know. Must Fridays be Fridays. Like, bit no, of a red flag. No Fridays or Saturdays. It's so a bigger played. red flag than Lawrence Lawrence Taylor's cocaine habit. No, it's not. But uh, you Josh, can't play on Sundays. No, he, he can now. He he got some. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah, waiver. But Josh, did you have any thoughts on Davion in Colorado? Yeah, I really liked him. I thought he played more like a safety at times than he did a linebacker. So you're kind of looking at a guy that's going to be able to come in on some sub packages, uh, give them a little bit of, di- of a different look as well. But kind of back to Hertz. One thing that I want to say before we move on too is if the Eagles hadn't taken him, somebody else was going to take yep. him fairly soon too. So. I mean, there is that aspect of it. If it hadn't been the Eagles, it was going to be somebody else probably in the second round. I mean, his over-under was, I think, 51 and a half, and the Eagles snared him at 53. Like, he wasn't going to last that much longer. He's a high-character, high high-production guy who played for Alabama and Oklahoma. Lincoln Riley and, and Nick Saban love him. He was getting drafted very early. So not a loser, the Eagles, Hurts? Are they winners, losers I don't think, in between? I don't think it's, no, I don't think it's a loser. I think, like, it, it, it's, hard, it's hard to say because he's not going to impact the Eagles next year. Who? Jalen Hurts. Yeah, he will. If he does, that's a problem. Why? Taylor, Taysom, Taysom Hill impacted the game last, the, the Saints. Taysom, Taysom Hill has less passing attempts than Muhammad Sanu, man. Still, uh, that, that that makes the case even stronger. If, if, if Jalen Hurts, if his approximate value is over five, the Eagles had a really bad season. I don't even know what that means. So like, it, I, I, what does that compare well, to? That means he, that means he's on the like. Is he is he is he making a hundred pass attempts? Like, what's he throwing? How many? How many? What's all right? I'll set his over under at fifteen and a half passing attempts. Sure, that sounds right about on. How many takes would you make last? What you take? Uh, I, I, I like the number. I, I, maybe I'll go. Yeah, it's a great number. That's one a game. I'll go. I'll go under. Well, so uh, just assume for the sake of this, Wentz assume full sixteen game health, which is tough to do. But assume that Taysom Hill, I believe, was on the field for for two quarterback packages, two hundred six plays last year, and scored mm. seven total touchdowns. Mm. What would you set Hertz's numbers at for rookie year? For touchdowns. Touchdowns and maybe total plays or plays per game he's on the field. Well, t- plays per game is ridiculous because like I, I need like 
That's, Why are you dying on this hill? Well, I mean, he, I mean, he could line up in the Lamar Jackson package and no one looks at him and throws the other way. I mean, that's, that's part of that 206 with that's value. Stop it. You can't let, you can't put, uh, Andre Dillard out there and expect the same results with him playing, uh, the Lamar Jackson role. So clearly, you know, you have to respect Jalen Hurts being out there. I mean, I'm pro what, I'm pro, I'm pro Jalen Hurts here, but like, Sounds like trouble, all right. At, well, uh, what pick was Jalen Hurts? So who's better? A, who, who has a better 2020 season? Jalen Hurts or AJ Epinesa or JK Dobbins? Or Raekwon Davis, or Van Jefferson, or Ezra Cleveland, or Denzel Mims. Mims is the Josh one that Uche. fans were the most mad about. I mean, like, come on. Van, Van Jefferson will have a, the, 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 probably the best season, and probably better than Denzel Mims. Like, I just listed five starters immediately taken after Jalen Hurts. I'm not indicting the Eagles for taking it. I, I think I think it's understandable that you want to back up Carson Wentz, but there is a problem if you sacrifice a chance to win now with Carson Wentz just to get his backup. On the other hand, as I've been saying, you had to play Josh McCown last year, and that's a problem. Well, let's Look. move on to the Packers because this is a different conversation. Because I agree. It, know, is, it is. Well, first of all, first of all, the Eagles at least took a wide receiver in the first round. The Packers decided to take A.J. Dillon in the second round at number 62 overall, Josiah DeGura at 93 overall. I don't know what that guy does. Apparently, he's a blocking tight end who's not great at catching. If I were Aaron Rodgers, I don't know. This this is the equivalent of your wife. Like I I, I don't know what it is. Like 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 what is this the equivalent the marriage equivalent of Wilson when your when your your team takes another quarterback, a running back who can't catch passes, and a blocking tight end in the first three rounds of the draft. This is like when your wife says, uh, for your 10th wedding anniversary, I want to go to Paris and you show up with a, with a beat up trailer and you go like to the campground on, uh, you know, movie night and they're watching Pinocchio or something. I mean, it's, it's like you couldn't get farther away from, from what, uh, you, your wife wanted to happen. You know, you know what this is? It's the equivalent of proposing to your wife with brownies. Now that's a true point. And the good part is Josh knows the story, so he, he can enjoy it as well. Uh, but my point about the Jordan Love thing, I like. I, I defend Jordan Love, and I'm fine with that. I have no issue sure. with that. But Jalen Hurts helps you next year, even though you don't seem to think so. Jordan Love does not help the Packers next year unless Aaron Rodgers gets hurt and you're still paying Aaron Rodgers $30 million a year. A.J. Dillon, I love him as a player. Same. Makes, no, makes no sense with a second-round pick for a team that needs wide receivers and tight ends. Josh, I watch I – watch, Josh, I watch A.J. Dillon run over NC State repeatedly. He's an awesome downhill back. But what are you doing? You have Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. What are you doing? Yeah, I don't understand it. I mean, I, I know they needed a tight end. Um, obviously, they were trying to get Austin Hooper in free agency. I think this is a product of them getting desperate. Um, you know, they didn't get the tight end they wanted in free agency, so they – went ahead and got desperate in the draft and, and decided to take Josiah DeGuara a little bit too early. Um, A.J. Dillon, I didn't particularly love him either. I thought, you know, he's a bigger back, but at the same time, I thought that he kind of went down more easily uh, than other running backs pound for pound. I, I had much higher where, value. Uh, where was, he, where was he on your big board? What number, what number was he on your big board? Uh, I'd have to look it up, but I'd say probably fifth round. Right. He wasn't 62. No. Not yeah. at all. No, yeah. they're one of my. They're Wilson, one of my. Where was he? Uh, I had him at one fifteen. That's a problem. I mean, him is the eighth best running back. That's a problem, right, Josh? 
Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, they're they're definitely one of the losers when you factor in what they did on day two. Um, I was looking at, uh, I think, Pro Football Focus had their draft ranked, um, you know, in, in terms of the value that they had on each of those players. I think Love was their number 76 overall player, and he was the highest rated of the three. Nice. Deguara wasn't even rated. So you kind of get an idea of, of just how off the radar this whole He's scenario eight. was for Green Bay. Yeah, he did. He, like, he was at the Senior Bowl. He didn't stick out. He's more of an H-back, and that's what they were talking about a lot at the Senior Bowl. And when they drafted him, there were other tight ends still available, right? Pretty much all of them. Hunter Bryant, yeah. Harrison Bryant, Bryson Hopkins, my man, Colby Parkinson, also FU to the Bears, and Ryan Pace. I had the under on wow. Cole Komet at 40 – I had the over on Cole Komet at 43 and a half. The Bears are the clock at 43, or 30, or whatever it was, when they took Colcomet. What's that? It was 43. It was 43. And you're like, well, they won't take Colcomet. They have nine tight ends, and they still took Colcomet. Are you kidding me, Ryan Pace? Like, this is the only reason the A.J. Dillon and Jordan Love thing might work out, is everyone else is the in the NFC North is so stupid that they won't be able to, like, like allow the Packers to regress the way they should. By the way, that 43, that, that pick is much worse, the Cole Komet, because of the reasons you point out. They have so many tight ends in terms of blowing, so the, stupid. blowing the over for, for, for betters. Much worse than the Clyde, uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire one at 32, because then you just, if you had the over of one half, uh, of running backs. Oh, oh, for the beats, yeah. Clyde Edwards Hilaire was a fine pick. That works. You just tip your hat to Andy Reid going, oh, you never did this, and now you're going to score 10 more points a game. I get it. Right. Uh, Cole all he does is, is ramp up your offseason softball team because he throws 96 miles an hour. <laughs> all right. Do any get... of the other tight ends on that roster really excite you, though? I, th- I think that's the other part of They've already released Trey Burton, so. Uh, I think Trey Burton's a good a... fit in Indianapolis, by the way. No, you're right. I think they have Adam Shaheen and they have a couple of uh, the rest of the guys. Dax Raymond, who, who I think went undrafted last year, um, actually played with uh, Jordan Love in 2018. But the, then the question becomes, why do you have nine tight ends on your roster in the first place? What do you? What's you your... have to get to 53. Why do you have 10 tight ends? You don't need 10, 10 tight ends. No one needs 10 tight ends. That's like having four wives. They might seem like a fun idea, but then all of a sudden you have four people harassing you constantly. You don't want that. Um, I, I'll say this, like, I, I think Brian Gutenkunst did a really good job last offseason, but I have major questions about what he's doing right now in this particular draft. And that, that happens. That Ryan Pace, we thought initially, like, oh, great draft. Let's see how it happens. All right. Let's get to some winners and losers. These are consensus winners and losers. We all agree. And our number one, Josh, Drew Locke and the Denver Broncos. Yeah, I mean, there is arguably nobody that benefited more from the first two days of the draft than Drew Locke. You get a guy like Jerry Judy in the first round who is probably the best route runner in this class. You know where he's going to be at all times. He's incredibly reliable. And then you get K.J. Hamler in the second round. He's a guy that's got a ton of speed. Um, you know, he's going to be able to get open underneath with all these other guys taking targets downfield. I mean, this defenses are going to have to – really respect what they can do passing the football. This is a team that you cannot stack the box. You're going to have to spread it out a little bit, and this that's that's going to lead to more opportunities for all of these guys that they drafted. And then they got Lloyd Cushenberry a little bit later, and I thought that was pretty good value too um, with where they took him. So I thought it was an overall good day for Drew Locke. 
that's why I think it was, it was pretty safe to say he was one of the winners. Yeah, and Lloyd Cushenberry could, could play right away. They they signed Graham Glasgow to a three-year deal, I think. Um, he can play guard. So you put Cushenberry in there. You're getting younger along the offensive line. Uh, Ojemudia, he ain't replacing Chris Harris. Chris Harris played in the slot. Uh, Ojemudia is bigger and stronger and plays outside uh, mostly. But, I mean, everyone's been talking about it. I Rarely do you see a team take two wide receivers with their uh, first two picks and, and think it's a good idea. I guarantee you Aaron Rodgers was thinking, my God, why am I not playing on the Broncos? I mean, Aaron Rodgers <laughs> right. with Jerry, <laughs> Jerry right. Judy, K.J. Hamler, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, Philip Lindsay, Melvin Gordon. I mean, Drew Locke is going to have a, what I would imagine to be a, a really productive season. Aaron Rodgers would throw for 8,000 yards. I mean, I, I think the thing is, is John Elway is tired of being a, a top 10 all-time quarterback who's humiliated as a uh, personnel guy for not being able to identify anything about quarterbacks. He's the worst quarterback drafter in the planet, and Drew Locke played kind of well down the stretch last year, and now Drew Locke has Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler. They get uh, Michael Ojemudia. They get that? Yep. Bang! You'd love to see it, Wilson. Look at that third rounder. I'm nailing it. Only Um, one left in the draft, and you got it. Way to go. That's right. Don't expect anything. And, and Lloyd Cushenberry. But this is, but again, this is what you do. If you get a quarterback that you think you believe in, and I don't know if Drew Locke's great or not, but John Elway's in on him. You give him the weapons, you give him the offensive line, and you roll with it. Next up on the Mesa consensus, it's majority. We'll say the, uh, we'll go to the Colts. Let's go to the Colts and, uh, let's see, who's their quarterback? It is, uh, just looking to see who it is on their, de- oh, that's right, it's Phillip Rivers. Bang, bang. How do you like the Colts now, fellas? Michael, they didn't have a first round pick because they got DeForest Buckner. Then they added Michael Pittman. Then they added Jonathan Taylor. And then they added someone named Julia Blackman that I don't care about. The Colts are winning the Super Bowl this year. Book it. Book it down. Lock it down. It's over. Finish it. Enjoy it. They're winning it in Tampa. I hope you like it. All right. I just booked it down. Josh, what do you think? I actually like what they did. Michael Pittman felt like the perfect fit for what they're trying to do there. Um, again, he's Mike, really he's Mike Williams at a cheaper price. Yeah, I mean, really reliable guy. He's a great route runner. Um, great releases. Everything that you look for. Really polished player. Um, this is... The classic example of needing to have another weapon for Phillip Rivers. This team has been so reliant on T.Y. Hilton over the past couple of years. When he was injured last year, they could do nothing on the offensive side of the ball. So you had to get some weapons. I don't think they should be done yet at the wide receiver position. I think they should take at least one more before we get to the end of this. But Michael Pittman, fantastic ad. Jonathan Taylor, I love the player. Um, he's got to get his fumbling tendencies down a little bit, but... Um, you know, and obviously his, his carry load over the past three years is a bit of a concern, but for the upcoming season, I mean, it doesn't get any better than Jonathan Taylor at the running back position. And then Julian Blackman, I love what he brings to the table. He's a former cornerback, does a lot of great things. Um, he's dealt with some injuries this past year, but this is a guy that uh, is incredibly instinctual. He's going to make a lot of plays over the deep half of the field. So I'm, I'm excited to see what they what they do on day three because I think they've done pretty well so far. Yeah, I agree with all that. I, I think this team is going to be really fun to watch. And with uh, Billy O'Brinson over there not knowing what he's doing in Houston, 
That's one less team uh, Philip Rivers has to worry about. I mean, all they have to do is beat the Titans and Ryan Tannehill. That's all they have to do. And then beat Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. But, I mean, after that, like, I, I'm telling you, this team is good. Like, Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor is not a perfect running back prospect, but he's a very good – and he got better at, at catching passes in the backfield. They don't have – he doesn't have to be a perfect pass-catching back because they have Naheem Hines. You have Marlon Mack in the final year of his contract. You run him into the ground, and you have Taylor, like, supplement it. When Marlon Mack got hurt last year, Jordan Wilkins wasn't doing it. They had nothing there. So, and, and was it Jonathan Wilkins too? Like you have, you don't have anything behind Marlon Mack. Now you don't have to pay Marlon Mack. You draft Jonathan Taylor. You let Marlon Mack, you run him 300 times, let him leave. You have Quentin Nelson. I and mean, this, this, this offense is stacked. If this defense is top 10, this team will be in the AFC championship. Period. End of story. That seems kind of aggressive. Anyway, uh, the Rams, I actually think, had a, a really nice draft. Uh, agree or disagree, Ryan? Loved it. I, I loved it. Second, second, second round, second and third round. Right. No first round pick because of Jalen Ramsey. Uh, Cam Akers, Van Jefferson, you, you learn your lesson, presumably, from, from, uh, from Todd Gurley. And you get rid of Brandon Cooks in that trade with Billy O'Brenson there for the, for that second round pick. That's a thing. You don't want yeah, to. You're going to get people like saying publicly Billy O'Brenson. And then it's just like my name is attached to trading DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> Philip Rice is like, who is this Brenton guy that people keep like, calling him? Hey, Billy or Brenton did. What are you going to do? But, uh, I, I mean, I, I, like, Prisco wasn't crazy. He loves Acres. He didn't think maybe taking him at number two made sense. And I understand that on some level. They do need some, they do need some help along the offensive line. Uh, they haven't done that yet. But Terrell Lewis, uh, the edge rusher would have been possibly a first round pick if he'd been healthy throughout his career. He wasn't. Um, so they're taking a chance there, but, but in the third round, why not? And Terrell Burgess, who played with Julian ba- uh, Blackman in Utah, uh, plays safety, but he, he's a slot guy too, and you can move him all over the place. So he, they give, uh, he gives them some versatility there. We'll see if they circle back. They have three more picks and, and get an offensive lineman. But in terms of making that offense better, this is great news for Jerry Goff. Uh, uh, Josh, do you think the Eagles, I mean, excuse me, the, uh, the Rams made a mistake? taking Cam Akers when they could have had a replacement for Jared Goff and Jalen Hurts? No, because I, lo- <laughs> I love Cam Akers. I think he's a great player. Um, you know, we've talked about him previously in our running backs rankings podcast as well. I, I love what he brings to the table. He's a, um explosive player. He's got a really solid base. Um, you know, Florida State asked him to do a lot this past season, and I don't think that was really fair to kind of look at his production and think that he shouldn't, be taken with this kind of a selection. I think he's uh, more than deserving. But if you look at what they did, I don't have any issues at all. I like every single one of these picks. I actually spoke to um, a Rams coach at the combine and we were talking about the safeties and, you know, we were, this was when Antoine Winfield was being talked about heavily. This was Kyle Duggar, Jeremy Chin, all those guys. Um, And he said, you know who we're not talking about enough? It's Terrell Burgess from Utah. They actually valued him more than some of those other guys that I mentioned. I think if he had been healthy, he would have been taken a little bit earlier. Um, So they're feeling pretty good about what they've accomplished. They've replaced Todd Gurley. They've replaced Brandon Cooks, and they get a couple other contributors to their defense as well. So um, pretty good drafts so far for them. I think it's it's probably one of the best uh, when you look at it in a bubble. 
All right, Wilson, what do you think about your Baltimore Ravens? They took Patrick Queen in day one. Then they circled back and took J.K. Dobbins in the second round. People blasted it, but as I pointed out on Twitter, if you go and look at the damn analytics and don't, don't talk about, talk, don't talk to me about running back value. Like I saw that the Ravens took J.K. Dobbins. I immediately went to Sports Info Solutions and I, I sorted by who has the most yards out of shotgun running the ball in 2019 at the college level. Dobbins, number two, the only guy higher, Chuba Hubbard. And he went back to school for some weird reason. The Ravens want guys who run out of shotgun because they want to use the read option with Lamar Jackson. It's very simple. It's ball bearings, folks. Come on. They had uh, Justin Matabaduk as Matt well. Did I say it wrong? Matabaduk. Matabike. And then Devin DuVernay, uh, <laughs> along with Malik Harrison and Tyree Phillips. It's a pretty nice little haul for the Ravens in the second right? the se- second day, excuse me. Dude, they crushed it. They absolutely crushed it. As a Steelers fan, I do not like to see this. Uh, the Steelers passed on J.K. Dobbins when he was there. They took Chase Claypool, who I did. Actually Dobbins is just good. Like, yeah. Why do people get that? He's just good. Well, it doesn't matter. Shot that he explodes out of there. He is, Justice Hill and Mark Ingram? Are you kidding me? And that's the thing. He's going to be there with Lamar Jackson, which is going to make his life yes. easier. Patrick Queen is an animal. Uh, I don't think outside of Clyde Edwards-Alaire, anyone did more for their draft stock than Patrick Queen over the course of last season. Uh, Justin what Maddie, if the Ravens win the Super Bowl right now? They can't. It can't be less than seven to one, right? Well, I mean, Duvernay runs like a running back, but he's a track athlete. He plays in the slot. And he catches a ton of screens, so he'll be a part of that crazy offense that they're going to run. Uh, Malik Harrison, so Malik Harrison can't cover anyone in space, and that's okay, but he's a downhill thumper, and you pair him next to Patrick Queen, and those guys are there for the next five, six, seven years. I, this is like secretly you know, under the radar look at looking A minus A draft, and you only give the minus if you're just being. Uh, the, Raven, the Ravens are six and a half to one to win the Super Bowl. And that's, that's a good bet. Is that live or is bet. that before the draft? Right now. I mean, on William Hill. Yeah. Just bet that. It, it's it's short. Bet it. They're good. Matt BK, um, I thought he was a second-round pick, and uh, I, I thought he was my number three defensive tackle, I think. Um, Blacklock went earlier. I don't know if anyone else did. He went. I think he went before Gallimore, or maybe he was close. But either way, he's, you know, I was talking to defensive line coach of the Super Bowl, and he's like, what's the, I said, what's the first thing you look for in defensive tackles? He goes, explosiveness. And Matt BK or Matabaduke, as you call him, is is that and then some. <laughs> uh, Josh, I would say the Bills had a great second day as well. A.J. Epinesa and Zach Moss, these are two good prospects. Now, Moss is a running back, so we're not, you know, I mean, 86, whatever, who cares? And he replaces Frank Gore, so you have a nice little thunder lightning with, with Devin Singletary there, and you added a pass rusher. The Bills have one of the best rosters in the NFL. Yeah, I love what they did, too. I mean, I didn't expect A.J. Epinesa to get out of the first round. I think he's a first-round caliber player, um, you know, because of if you look at his production, what he's done over the past couple of years, there aren't many that can match what he's been able to do. And then um, Zach Moss, you know, we talked about uh, family ties at the top of this. This is the cousin of Sonoris and Santana, um, a guy that's going to be able to provide a little bit of a different look to what they want to do on offense. I mean, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, that's a fantastic combination. Zach Moss is a guy that's got fantastic contact balance. Um, he's physical. He's patient. Everything that you would want in a running back, Zach Moss is is going to bring that to the table. So 
I love both of those picks without having a first round pick. I mean, I think they did about as well as you possibly could. All right. Uh, Wilson, one more for your uh, consensus winners, the Arizona Cardinals. And we're giving them this, the, this is a bone we're throwing them because they got Josh Jones at 72. What, what was the red flag here? I'm not sure. Um, this is actually going to be interesting. Um, I talked to scout, uh, early this year about Josh Jones and, and I said, I heard, Josh Jones thought about coming out in 2018 and he said, yeah, we, the, you know, he was, it was suggested that he returned to school because he wasn't ready to come out. And mm. based on the fact that he's a third round pick now, he may have gone on drafted a year ago because he had a really good 2019 season, an even better senior bowl. You I mean, you can go, you can go to the senior bowl YouTube uh, channel and, and watch the one on ones. And he was, he stood out and people were talking about him at the time. I don't know if there's something else we don't know about. Last year, Jawan Taylor fell to the second round when he looked like a first round. Uh, talent, the right tackle out of Florida. He went to, he went to Jacksonville. We later found out that there were some concerns about the knee. I don't think that was an issue last season, but, um, if this works out, great job by Steve Kime and, and <clears throat> Cliff Kingsbury. And, um, unfortunately, Josh Jones lost a lot of money. Uh, Josh Edwards, would you say that your, uh, draft setup is equivalent to, to Cliff Kingsbury? Um, it's a little different. <laughs> there, are, there are definitely some similar. There are some similarities, um, like in the sense there that I do is have grass. TV. <laughs> I do have grass. There is uh, some white on my walls in places. So, do you have do you have, uh, do you have fake turf? You know, we're working on that. That's uh, something that's in the budget for the coming year, but uh, not something that we've we've managed. You know, we just moved into this house. Will you know we're still making a lot of changes. The the, the artificial turf is is coming. Don't worry about it. Josh, you should get that artificial artificial turf for your neighbor, so he's not quitting cutting the grass every time he talks to you. Exactly. Uh, that, in, in fairness, he's not cutting the grass right now. No, he's not. Two fifteen in the morning. By the way, you asked about Cliff Kingsbury setup. What do you think Bill Belichick thought about the thing when he saw it? Belichick's Belichick's setup was so incredible. Like he, he grandmother's house. It looked like you would go have a casserole and tea at your grandmother's house. 100%. That's what it looked like. Or like, or like your grandmother's like, we're going to play spades while we're sitting here for the family get together. And you're like, what, what are we doing? And that's just what Belichick, there was, there was a worse one. Robert Kraft's, Robert Kraft had this tiny little breakfast nook and he had one laptop and a breakfast nook. It's like, you're worth. Seven billion dollars, like fifty billion dollars, whatever it is, and you have a the breakfast nook that like like it's worse than my breakfast nook. What is happening? Well, maybe he was like, you know what? I don't need to be on some fancy yacht wheeling and dealing. I can make these picks with my six Super Bowl rings from this breakfast nook. All right, well, let me ask you this: Who's the? All right, we're get, we're, we're gonna get a winner from each of you on the best draft setup, and then we'll, we'll go to break, and we'll come back with biggest loser on draft setup who's the biggest winner ryan wilson on their draft setup i'm going with bill belichick i I like the casserole setup i like the dog that gets to sit at the table and eat snacks and presumably make picks better than billy o'brinson does Uh, i'm going with bill belichick josh i'm gonna go sean mcveigh because he had a he had a pretty similar setup to cliff kingsbury um you know they're living pretty large in today's time so uh, he's got a lot of space to roam. He can go out there and uh, run some routes with his new receiver. I would go with Mike Vrabel. What an f you to every. Actually, you know what? You know what? No, Mike Vrabel's second for me. You know who? You know who wins? Roger Goodell. He said, "You know what? F it. I'm going into my my half zip sweater zone. I am putting on." This sweater, <laughs> I'm not zipping it up, and I'm sitting in my leather chair, and I'm announcing 
the 135th pick with my leg crossed, not looking at the camera. I'm done. This job sucks. I can't believe anybody does this. Can you imagine being a draft analyst? You guys are lunatics. After the break, we'll tell you who lost in this NFL draft. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So the Chargers, oh, the Chargers. My old flame. They took, uh, they took this guy named Justin Herbert the first round and they traded back up to get Kenneth Murray, which meant they had no second or third round picks. Had the Chargers made a grave error, Wilson? We haven't done our worst draft coach setups. Those are supposed to be after the break, right? I, I didn't actually think we were going to do that. Who's your, who's your worst? I, I want to give it to Matt Nagy for having all that, that, all the stuff plastered all over the, the walls of his. That kit. was bad. That was bad. It, it would have been okay if he didn't take a tight end, but he took a tight. So he had four million tight ends on the wall, and he picked one. That's how he did it. So I, I won't give it to Matt Nagy. He's next to last. I'm giving it to Cliff Kingsbury just for being, uh, like he's he's on that show with Turtle. What's that show called? Entourage. Yeah, like he's from Entourage or something. Did you say what's that show with Turtle? <laughs> I, can't remember that. I wanted to, I wanted to make an Entourage reference on the show. I couldn't think of the name. <laughs> didn't get Jeremy Piven. Just what's that shit with? Are you old? That's yeah. the oldest you've ever sounded, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> what has the ultimate dunk on? I know. Piven like, save it. Devo, Devo couldn't stop himself. <laughs> That's the oldest you've ever sound. Well, right, because... Josh, who had the oh my god, save that. Oh. Who had the worst? Josh, who had the worst draft GM coach setup? That would be tough. Um... I don't know who immediately comes to mind for the coach GM, but I will say, did you guys see the player whose little brother like fell asleep on the couch and then somebody came over and like put a dog right in front of the camera? No. What? What? Yeah. This kid was, there's like one kid that was running around. Did you guys see Pete Briscoe fall asleep on HQ? He didn't fall asleep. Let Josh finish the story. I want to hear this is. You can tell the Briscoe lie. No, I wish I had caught who, uh, who the prospect was because, you know, I was, didn't have time to actually watch the broadcast. I'd look up from time to time. And um, at this one point in time, there was a kid that was asleep on the couch. There was another kid that was running around in the living room. And then this lady comes over and she puts the dog right in front of the camera. So the, so the dog's face is like right up in the camera. Um, that had to be probably the most entertaining part of the night for, for that broadcast. That's good. I like that. All right. I'll, I'm going to take uh... – I was going to go Jerry Jones because he's on a yacht, which is such an a-hole move. Yeah, Everyone's, everyone's quarantined and you're on a yacht. Like, you just don't need to be on a yacht and, like, broadcasting it. But um, Prisco did fall asleep in, in front of the TV Stop. on Asian live television. He claims he was te- – he said he was 
texting a GM. They went to Bra- do you guys see this? Brady Quinn and Danny Cannell destroyed him. I was, destroyed I was, him. Yeah, I was supposed to go on after that, and they went to Pete. You saw it, right? He didn't have his eyes closed, but he was slumped down like I am in this chair. And was he, he asleep looked, or not asleep? No, his head was cocked to the side, and he looked like he was looking at his phone. You know he can't read. like his, his, He can read, but his vision is terrible. He didn't look prepared to come on TV. No, because no one was in his ear telling him. About so I'm going so to go, go a different direction. I'm not going to bash Pete. I'm going to go with Thomas Dimitrov, who... For a brief second, uh, did you all see this? Uh, no, I was working. Oh, uh, boy. You haven't seen this? No. He tried to do a I, – I, we hope he tried to do a Homer Simpson joke and choke his son out. Is You really didn't see this? No, I was – He put his hands around his son's neck as a yeah. joke on ABC. Why was he on ABC? Oh, oh the, the telecast got you. We what? hope it's a joke. Oh, there it is. I'm looking at the picture of it now. We hope it's a joke. Why? Why wouldn't it be a joke? I mean, he's on television. You don't do that. Well, no, it's that's really not. like either either there's there's something very wrong, or you just don't do that. Did you see where Mike Vrabel was upset? He got up from his setup. Apparently, there was a trade with Detroit that fell through, and he wasn't. No, no, that was uh, Bill O'Brien. Oh yeah, that's right. It was Bill O'Brien. You're that right. was the, that right. was pretty good too. Bill O'Brien was like had a deal done with Matt Patricia. And Patricia bailed, and Bill O'Brien just like threw his phone down. He was like, "I thought I had Kerry and Johnson." That was a running back chair, man. God, I can't. This is a tough room tonight. It's like two thirty in the morning. You get you got to cut us some slack here. That's fine. That's fine. All right, let's get to some losers. Uh, you know, well, I'm a winner for this. I hope everyone who watched the Pick Six podcast show leading up to the draft is a winner for this. But the losers are Jake Fromm and Jacob Eason. Yeah, man, Wilson, he didn't – was his overrunner was 45 and a half. He didn't even get drafted. He's a day three guy. Get him out of here. Eason's trash. Yeah, I mean, that's one way of looking at it. The other way of looking at it is, as Danny Cannell pointed out, it's terrible to be Jacob Eason. I've been in that spot where people tell you you go to a big school, you think you're going to go early first day, second day, and you're sitting there – uh so yeah, your point of view is one of them. The other point of view is at this point. That's a, that's a, that is a better point of view. <laughs> but look, here's the thing. I don't know how Josh feels about this. I wanted Jacob Eason to go back to school. He had a great first half of the season, and then things started to fall apart. Incredibly athletic, incredibly gifted. Now I want to see what happens um, in day three. Let's say the Steelers, he's on the clock, I think 124 is on the Steelers there. Do they take Jacob Eason? Do they roll the dice in a post-Mason uh, Rudolph world with Ben Roethlisberger's arm? Uh, still, we don't know what that's going to be. Will the Bears move into the fourth round to get him? Will the Colts take him? Uh, the Jaguars have three fourth-round picks they can move around with and other stuff. So there are going to be some teams that might be in the market, the Raiders, the Patriots. I, I think we're drastically overvaluing these guys. They're not good. Wait a second. Well, first of all, I'm guessing you didn't watch a lot of Washington games. I watched a lot of Washington. Right. So – who, 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 do you, who do you think stayed up till 2 in the morning gambling on college football? You or me? That certainly wasn't me. Exactly. All right. Well, maybe. Jacob Eason has a – Jacob Eason looks like uh, yeah, Jake Browning. Who's a, who's a, like he, he's just, he's just a, a, a dumb guy with a big arm. That's what he is. You're going all in on Jacob Eason. I can't wait. He's to not good. Him. All right. Well, I would like to hear, hear what Josh has to say about it since he, he Josh, probably gambled. Like Jacob Eason. Um. He's pretty inconsistent. No, I mean, you know, his accuracy is pretty inconsistent. Obviously, you know, everybody loves the big arm, um, all that kind of stuff. He has his really good games. Um, 
All I'm right. not surprised that he's still here. Josh you know, love him. Let's keep going. That's right. <laughs> but, Josh, you know Josh unfortunately, you're dead to Wilson for the rest of the time. <laughs> no, he, should go, he should go to Philadelphia because just think about how many passes they could throw <laughs> with Jalen Hurts, Carson Wentz, and Jacob Eason. So here, here's what – what, what a sneaky murder of Diva that was. Well, I was going to say, like two of the nicest people on this podcast are neither you nor me, Brenton. It's Josh and Diva. <laughs> Diva just dunked on me five minutes ago, and Josh just dunked on Diva. So it is uh, – If Jake Beeson didn't go into the, in the, in the third round, then Jake Fromm's not going. And shout out to Kenny White. The, Jake Fromm's over-under before the draft and even today was – 70 and a half. I was screaming over. What a, it was minus 200. I hit it twice. What a joke. What, what a. explained why it's that. I just asked you about that 45 minutes ago. So, I mean, so, that's why it's. No, you explained why it was where it was because I asked you about it not, not long ago. There's too many defensive players. I mean, like, Eason. No, no, Eason no, people, I get drafted, drafted before Eason. People like name recognition. That, that exactly. Was, exactly. This is a good lesson for next year. When there's a bunch, if there's a bunch of mid-level quarterbacks, because people like to bet on stuff, they're going to put the props up. So let's remember next year to hammer the over on mid-level quarterbacks, like our colleague Aaron Murray, who was a great player at Georgia, got drafted by the Chiefs late, but like, I mean, like that dude ain't getting going to the third round. I banked the over on two and Herbert. Got the one on Jordan Love wrong, but I got the, I got those two right. Three and a half, five and a half. I will say there was there was a popular if, NFL if I hear writer. Wilson say I bang the over again, I might die. I used that as I was trying to copy. Go ahead, Josh. <laughs> I will say there was a popular NFL writer that uh, was pumping up Jake Fromm pretty significantly recently. So name, you got to name names. Well, I I I'm not positive. I want to say it was Rappaport. He was talking about Fromm had some good meetings with teams, and he was starting to get some late buzz, that kind of stuff. But um, well, I mean, Dan Orlovsky came up this very podcast and said that Jake Fromm might go third round of the Saints, and it's like eh, I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen. Here's what I'll say, and actually, Brady liked some things. Brady Quinn liked some things about Jake Fromm when we were at the combine talking about it. And I was disagreeing with him, but at the end of the day, we both agreed he's going to be, he feels like a day three guy. I don't, I just can't wrap my brain around why anyone would think he's a second or third round pick based on his physical skills. He's, he's like, uh, football smart and, you know, he's, he's, he's Colt McCoy. Yeah. I, I said Matt Barkley, but fair enough. Yeah. Same thing. Same thing. That's fine. You can have, you can have a seven year NFL career, but I don't think you want him to be your long term starter. All right. Let's move along to, the sad Chicago Bears. Mm. What are you doing? What the f- are you doing? Here's what they're doing. Leaving there. myself for Debo here. What the f- are you doing? You, dra- <laughs> you already had nine tight ends, and you drafted a tenth Ryan Pace, and you're in there with the, in your room in your in your office with this giant room overlooking the freaking lake, celebrating because you got Cole Komet as your tenth tight end. What are you doing? You are terrible. I cannot believe at any point we allowed Sean Wagner McGuff to say Ryan Pace is like mildly good at like building a roster. He, I, we, he won executive of the year. This system is, is finished. It's a disaster. This guy sucks. Let me, um, throw a couple names at you. Cole Command. Counterpoint. <laughs> no, I, I don't, I, I don't dispute what you're saying. Cole Command with 43. We already said that. 
Um, the Bears need a safety. Here's who went 44, Grant Delpit. Here's who went 45, Antoine Winfield Jr. Uh, they did get Jalen Johnson at, at 50. And, I actually, and the like, Bears, by the way, had 50. Right. I, and I, I like, uh, I like Jalen Johnson as a pick for them and I like him as a cornerback. Uh, I would even argue that taking at 43 or 50, Jalen Hurts would make more sense than taking Cole Komet. I agree. I completely agree. Jalen Hurts went 53. They took Cole Komet as their 10th tight end. <laughs> Do you realize, everyone does realize that listens to this. We are all football fans. Every Sunday you have a 53-man roster. Do you know how difficult it is to hold 10 tight ends on your roster? It's ridiculous. Have you ever what? seen uh, an offense run five personnel, five tight ends on the field at one time? We might get to see that this year. He's it's like he's like he's like if I have all the tight ends, no one has tight ends. I mean, like, what are you doing, Pace? Get out of here. Give me a GM job. I mean, like, give you a GM job. Give Josh a GM job. Prisco, like, give someone else a job. Pace is a joke. Can we agree on that? Yeah, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna provide a dissenting opinion on oh, the whole commit pit. No, I actually like Cole Komet, you know, and when I look at their roster, I understand they have 10 tight ends. I Josh, like Cole- Josh, hold on, say it again. They have how many tight ends? They have roughly, you know, 10 <laughs> tight ends. On a 53-man roster. All right, let him make the but, point. But I value him more than any of the others, so I would have no problem getting rid of the others in favor of him. I'm obviously not going to keep that many that many tight ends on my roster, if I like Cole Komet better than any of them, I'm fine with that. This is a long-term play. I don't think the Bears are going to be uh, competing for the Super Bowl this year, so I'm not going to make a decision for this year based on, uh, you know, the future. All right, I'll, the, the, I don't, I don't mind the evaluation. The there were better options. I the will say individual that. evaluation of Cole Komet is fine. You do like I, I need everybody to know that like it is uh, was it. April twenty sixth, in um, in the next seven days, I believe is the deadline. Ryan Pace is going to pick up the fifth year option for Mitchell Trubisky. Oh, is that that soon? It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Well, what else is it? Well, no, we don't know that. Why do we know that? Ryan, that is a inflection point for this disaster franchise. All right. Moving along. The Steelers, I think, are winners. Oh, yeah? How come? Agree or disagree? Well, I want to hear what you have to say. Well, I, I loved what they uh, they did, frankly. They got Chase Claypool and Alex Highsmith before you try to look it up. I'm already there. All right. What do you love about it? I thought Claypool is a good second-day wide receiver they could add to the pool. They gave a bit <laughs> a bunch of weapons. That joke was funny. You didn't mean to make it. Actually, I don't even know why they had the Steelers listed as, as winners. Let's move along. Oh why God. did I write the Steelers down? They, they lost. That was a terrible, that was a terrible call. Um, terrible pick. Are you crazy? They're losers. I haven't listened to the losers. Why did I say that? They're losers. What the bleep are the Steelers doing? What are they doing? <laughs> See, Josh, this is how it works. He, he, he comes up with uh, what he wants to be angry at. Then he has to backfill the story. All right, go See, ahead. No, definitely just sent me a chat that was like, you had this losers. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Make your point. Uh, no, they're losers. These are terrible picks. What, what are the Steelers doing? If they're first round pick, Chase Claypool and Alex Highsmith. This is terrible. I like Alex Highsmith a lot. I think he, he he's not going to. He's a developmental guy, but he's insanely athletic. Um, 
He actually played, I think, the first game of the year they played Clemson. Um, he did a pretty good job against a, a bunch of first-round picks. And Claypool, you could argue that you like other receivers better. I'm fine with that. He weighed 238, I think, in the combine. There's some talk that maybe he moves into tight end. He's not a tight end. He's really good outside, and he ran a 4-4. And if the whole point is to make life easy for Juju, who had no chance last year, mm. partly because A.B. was gone, the other part was because their quarterbacks couldn't throw the ball overhand. Um, so Juju, James Washington. See, see, you just made my initial case for me. Yeah. So I, I wanted to hear why you hate it. The other team that I had as a loser were the San Francisco 49ers, mainly because they're, they're not picking until Josh 156. And I, I, I don't mind Javon Kinlaw and Brandon Ayuk, but man, you could have traded out a bunch of times. Yeah. I mean, they entirely set out day two of the draft. Um, like you said, not back until 156. They've got a lot of needs. They haven't addressed the offensive line. Um, you know, we don't know how much longer Joe Staley is going to play. They need to get another body along the interior offensive line, some secondary help. So they've got a lot of different directions they could possibly go. I do love the players that they took in round one. Um, but this is a day two winners, losers podcast and they didn't even take a pick. So, uh, hard to be a winner in that kind of a scenario. Agreed. Uh, Ryan, you do have a winner though. It's the Patriots. Surprised to hear you rubbing Bill Belichick's uh, shoulders there. I think I say stomach. Uh, first, first of all, Belichick won the the draft with the the dog thing. As we, yeah, that was my favorite one. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, Duggar, is that why is that why they're winners? No, Kyle Duggar. I love Lenore Ryan, Division Two player. They're going to move him around everywhere. He played a lot of safety. He can play deep safety if you want at, at Lenore Ryan, but he can play close to the line of scrimmage. Uh, he can cover the slot. I don't know if he can do it in the NFL. There's a huge jump in, in talent from D2 Lenore Ryan to, to the NFL, but he is, he's special. Josh Uche is, uh, played with Chase, Chase Winovich uh, a couple years ago at Michigan. Uh, he'll probably end up replacing Kyle Van Noy. He, he's extremely athletic. He's a little undersized for the edge, so they can move him around as well. Anthony Jennings, um, was probably one of the most underrated picks in this draft, uh, through two days. He's not incredibly athletic, but he is, uh, sort of, uh, one of Nick Saban's favorite people, and, and he seems to be, by all accounts, a, a decent human being who's really, really good at football because of his tenacity. I said this on the HQ Draft Show, uh, probably early and midway through round two. I said we were talking about the tight ends. I said, please, after Cole Komet had gone off the board, I said, keep an eye on Devin Asiasi. He is, people are talking about him the last few weeks. He's gotten a lot of buzz, and I, I watched uh, one of his games, and I was impressed. Brady and, and Danny were beside themselves when, and I said he may go late round three. They were beside themselves when the Patriots did it. They couldn't believe it. I said, I told you guys, Al Roker knows what he's talking about. And they say, I do love the fact <laughs> they circle back. They circle that was back. the best member of the draft, by the way. I was at the, I was at the big screen there. I was pretending. there. There were people talking about you and your big screen. So, uh, and then they, the funny, the reason I like the last pick, Dalton Keene in the third round, uh, is because he is also a tight end. If you look up Dalton Keene's, uh, Yearbook picture for the for the the Hokies of Virginia Tech. His mustache is a first round mustache, but um, he's another guy that was underutilized, sort of like Dawson Knox was last year at Ole Miss. So he could have a chance to be special. And if anybody knows how to get the most out of players, it's Belichick and the Patriots. So I'm over here playing devil's advocate, apparently on pretty much all of these because I hated this draft. Mm. Um, I like Josh Uche. I think he's he's got a lot of upside. I don't think Mich- Michigan utilized him properly last season. Uh, didn't like any other pick. Um, Kyle Duggar, 
He's got great top end speed. I don't like his lateral mobility. I think he's got some stiffness in the hips. Um, and I wasn't a big fan of the other picks. I thought it was a little bit early for, for Anthony Jennings, Asiasi, and Keen. Um, I actually texted a little bit with a buddy of mine who is a Patriots fan. And, uh, his response back was, I guess they gave up winning. Mm. Mm. So he wasn't, he wasn't a big fan either. Um, yeah, I, I just, there's not much I like about this. Uh, I typically like what the Patriots do. This, this wasn't one of those cases. I mean, I, I would doubt Bill Belichick and his, uh, his tiny little husky at your own. Tiny little husky. I mean, he's just, he's just drafting Kyle Duggar and feeding his dog treats in this, in this like, like spades environment where you're like, oh, like maybe, or a bridge environment. Like it's like, oh, play, play a game of bridge and, I mean, like, I would, I would be careful of doubting Bill Belichick, but I, I mean, it was a very Belichickian draft. Uh, what about the Giants, Josh? I love what they did. I mean, they get a, they get a left tackle of the future and Andrew Thomas in the first round. He's going to play right tackle initially until Nate Solder moves on, which we kind of expect to happen after next season. They come back around in the third round and get Matt Parrott from UConn. Um, he played on the right side. He's incredibly athletic, still a little bit raw. I think he could possibly slide into the right tackle position when Andrew Thomas eventually moves over to the left left tackle position. So they could have possibly walked away with their left tackle and their right tackle of the future. And then Xavier McKinney, he was my top safety in this class. I was a little disappointed he didn't get down to Cleveland um, because he has a lot of versatility. He's a guy that can play nickel. Again, I think he's talented enough that he can play the boundary position as well. So, uh, I think those are three great picks for, for New York, um, a team that coming into this, everybody was probably a little skeptical that Dave Gettleman was going to be able to, to pull this whole technological event together and uh, come away with some good players. But here we are. Wilson, I need to know why you hate the uh, Raiders draft. I don't hate the Raiders draft. I actually like the Raiders draft. It turns out to be bad for Derek Checkdown Carr because they got Henry Ruggs, mm-hmm. um, who can run a four two seven. Are you, are you tripling down on Marietta? Well, we'll see. Maybe they'll draft uh, Jacob Easton on day three. You don't know. But, uh, yeah, no, I would like if you're asking me who is the better deep ball thrower, uh, the answer is Jacob Easton, I think. But I'm taking Mariota over, certainly over Derek Carr. Henry I, mean, Ruggs, I, would, I would take Mariota over Derek Carr, like, blindly anyway. But. Well, that's my that's my shtick. Don't try don't try to hop in on that. Well, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the OG. Like, why is everybody trying to steal my Derek Carr stuff? So, no, like, I, of course, it's – Anti Derek Carr before anyone else. I'm like I've been blocked by all three brothers. That's I ran a website called Mr. Mittens, bro. My point is that I'm all in a Marcus Mariota. That's my point. I've been on that train though since the moment they signed him. See, see, you're an optimistic Mariota guy. I'm a spite store Mariota guy. Yes. See, you're you're all in on Mariota with the options that they currently have, or you're just all in as the future of the Raiders. That's the future this year. Uh, when they sign, okay. I think it's just a two-year deal. So uh, as a winner-loser concept, who wins and who loses for the Raiders? Derek Carr loses because he can't throw the ball down the field consistently, even though they had they drafted three wide receivers. Henry Ruggs, Josh's guy, Linbo Jr. out of uh, Kentucky. He's more of a gadget guy. And, and Brian Edwards, who I like a lot. He reminds me a little bit of Anquan Bolden. Um, I wish he'd run the combine. I think he's probably faster than Bolden, at least uh, on the track. But um, another weapon. Um, the funny thing is, like, you say, oh, Hunter Renfro's out and out. There's no way. Hunter Renfro will be the last person standing on earth. He beats everything. 
So uh, he's, I, a, he's, a, he's a cockroach with great hair. Great, yeah. <laughs> no one says that about you, but uh, uh, the hair part. <laughs> but yeah, he he's a he, he is an amazing player, Hunter Renfro, um, and he'll be another additional weapon um, for Marcus Mariota when he leads the Las Vegas Raiders to that. Point. Uh, we agree then. Like I I think the Raiders did a good job putting weapons around her. I love the draft. I think Derek Carr's a winner because he has weapons, but he will not utilize them properly. That's my concern. For sure, it's a they needed. CD Lamb is perfect for Derek Carr. Like he just and they get rugs. That's fine. Um, Lynn Bowe can work for him. He can just pitch on the ball and let Lynn Bowe do all the work. But in terms of Henry Ruggs, I don't know how he's going to do with that. Maybe he's maybe he's their quarterback. Nice. Over under half game started by Lynn Bowden Jr. Well, that means Marcus has to get hurt too. Marcus hasn't been known to get hurt. I'm going to go over. I would too. Is your third quarterback currently on the roster, but not counting Bowden? Gruden just ripping hair out of his visor, like losing his mind. Is it still Peterman? Is he still there? Oh, gosh. I would start. <laughs> Who? Nathan Peterman. Oh, that's true. Going Glennon hate here. Uh, one of my winners is the Carolina Panthers. Surprise, surprise. I'm wearing, oh, actually, I'm wearing a Carolina Panthers shirt right now. Um, they got Derek Brown in the first round, but that didn't qualify in my calculations. Their second round draft picks. Yetter Gross Matos and Jeremy Chen. Bang, bang. Nice job. You had that to Derek Brown with the Panthers. Matt Rule and Marty Hardy with a nice start revamping the defense in, the, in Matt Rule's first year. I love it. Agree or disagree? Um, no, I agree. By the way, Deshaun Kaiser is also on the roster for the, so maybe Lynn Bowden's not going to get on the field at quarterback. Uh, I, I want to throw out that Deshaun Kaiser doesn't make that roster. Hey, Derek Carr may not. It's for the Panthers. I, I, I like, Here's the thing. I, I like just about every team's draft except the Packers. I think most teams did a pretty good job of filling needs. Um, and, and the, and the Panthers did that more than anyone. Um, because they had a ton of needs on defense and, and they went out and did that. We're not even talking about Brian Burns last year's first round pick and the impact he's going to have in year two as he gets better. Carolina's front, front seven is kind of sick now. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, Derek Brown's a grown man. I like him a lot. People complained about that he wasn't a great pass rusher. Uh, he does, he is in the backfield an awful lot. I mean, he ain't Aaron Donald, but, but nobody is. He's not as, um, consistent as a pass rusher in my mind as Javon Kinlaw, but he's a much better all-around player. And, um, he is incredibly athletic. Uh, go watch that Florida game if you have any questions about that. Um, Gross Matos, it, he shows up sometimes and sometimes he doesn't, but he looks the part and he's young and he's going to get better. And Jeremy Chin, um, I'd be interested to hear what Josh says about Jeremy Chin because I think Kyle Duggar is a little better laterally than Chin, but they, they play sort of different roles and clearly play to different levels, even though Chin was at FCS Southern Illinois. I would say that Chin has actually grown on me um, a little bit. I was a little concerned that he wasn't going to be able to. FYI, Josh, uh, during this quarantine, Chin has grown on me too. The yeah. second or third Chin has grown. It's, uh, it's relatable across the country. We're all. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. We're, we're all, it's like, it's like the freshman 15. It's a quarantine 15. No one judges. Fair so enough. Wilson won't even laugh at one joke. Josh is so exhausted. He wants to go to bed and he's like, this, these idiots do this four times a week. What is wrong with these fools? And that's a fair question. <laughs> it's, a, it's definitely a fair question. Diva, Diva is like, should I drink this chlorine? <laughs> should I drink this bleach? Don't drink bleach. Don't do, don't do, don't drink bleach. Anyway, Josh, go ahead. 
You're giving professional football analysis. Yeah, Jeremy Chin, good football player. No, keep going. Sorry. <laughs> no, you got the right idea. All right, next topic. Way to go. I agree. Actually, no, we will move on to the Jets, who I think had a nice day too. They had Denzel Mims, Ashton Davis, and uh, Jabari Zaniga. Nice. I got it. Bang. Love it. Let me I, ask. I think Mims, Mims at 59 and Ashton Davis at 68 is very good. Ashton Davis is a ball hawk. And Mims has gas. Like, he has speed. I I didn't love Ashton Davis. And part of the reason was not because he's not athletic, because he's he is really athletic. But when you watch Cal, he regularly lines up like 17, 18 yards behind the line of scrimmage. So he keeps everything in front of him. And, you know, you hear talks about him being a ball hawk. You just said he – a lot of time isn't anywhere near the play until it's over. So he can play in the slot and he played up a little bit, but a lot of times he only had two interceptions. I don't know if he was injured for part of last year or not, but my concern when I watched, like, what, how do you even tell what's going on when you're way back there? How can I tell that, you, that you're good or not? Because I don't know why you're not close to the line of scrimmage. So that was my concern as just not an NFL scout, but someone who, who was, you know, trying to figure this out. Um, Josh, junior draft analyst. Junior draft. Josh, do you have, uh, any, idea why Davis and Mims both fell? Because I think a lot of people were surprised by that. Well, for Davis, it, it probably would have been his medicals. That's probably the biggest concern. If It is kind of ironic, though. You're talking about how far away Ashton Davis played away from the line of scrimmage. Guess who his defensive coordinator is? Greg Williams. Oh, no. Greg Williams has no, his defensive backs paying another like county. 72 yards deep. There right? you go. Yeah, I forgot oh. about that. But Denzel Mims, I mean, I don't, I don't really have a good answer for why he slipped. They, um, you know, it, it was kind of weird the way that worked out because Michael Pittman, T. Higgins, Denzel Mims, I mean, they're all those bigger wide receivers and they were kind of projected in the same range. I'm just kind of wondering if maybe because those guys went earlier, he was a byproduct of that in a sense and, uh, w- is why he was on the board a little bit later than many of us projected. All right. Uh, I will point out, I think the Vikings won. Ezra Cleveland picking him up in the second round was a big win. Um, the wide receivers. It, will this go down as the greatest wide receiver class of all time? That is a loaded question, obviously. Well, I don't know. I, I like, like I said, I've liked virtually everyone's draft through two days. Uh, except the Packers, who ironically did not get a wide receiver with any of their picks. So maybe they, if this is the best wide receiver class, uh, in the history of football, Aaron Rodgers is going to be extremely upset, even more so than he is now when he finds out 10 years from now that that's, that that's to be the case. What do you think about Higgins, uh, Higgins in, uh, Cincinnati? I was just thinking about that when, uh, Josh was talking about Denzel Mims. Would Denzel Mims make more sense in Cincinnati with Joe Burrow, who, who can throw the ball wherever he wants to throw it and, uh, Denzel Mims is learning from A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd, or do you take T. Higgins, who isn't quite the athlete that Mims is and didn't test well at his pro day, and it's not clear he can separate uh, based on the, the competition he faced in the ACC? Clearly the Bengals felt one way, um, and a lot of teams passed on Mims, as, as Josh has pointed out. But I would rather have um, Michael Pittman there than T. Higgins, I think, if you're the mm-hmm. Bengals. I don't disagree with it. I, I mean – I think at this point, everybody is kind of in love with Michael Pittman and what he brings to the table because he's such a good route runner. Um, every Again, he's polished. Everything that he does, he does at a, at a very high level. So, um, And he's got those NFL bloodlines as well. He doesn't quite have the pythons that his dad did, but you know he's going to be a contributor for that team. And he's Who probably going to be 
What? Who does have the pythons their father did? Well, you know, that's that's my goal coming out of this quarantine. I'm you know, I'm I'm hitting the iron. I was surprised Higgins was the first like like that was the biggest move was Higgins. Like, so he actually hit the under, by the way. His was thirty four and a half. No, I well, I had it at thirty and a half. Would you take the you took the over there? Yeah. You got it early, because I think it moved a lot. Yeah. So yeah, it did it did hit the the consistent under, but I mean like I like Higgins, but he he just didn't have any speed. He's a, he he's Mike Williams, a baby Mike Williams. That is physical, but yeah, right, a less physical baby Mike Williams. Well, we'll see. We'll see how it works. I mean, well, like, I mean, he he doesn't beat anybody, but he's pretty good in the red zone. Well, I mean, he's the AJ Green replacement. I would have chosen someone else. He's be- not a- AJ Green is a borderline Hall of Famer. My point is AJ Green is probably leaving at some point or retiring in a year or two. Probably, he, no, he's. But, but I mean, like, that, that's a terrible replacement. Like, t- I like T Higgins. He's not AJ Green. Yeah. AJ Green was an animal at Georgia. T Higgins was pretty good at Clemson. He dominated a, a lot, but again, that was competition. And so I don't take away from so the kid running, running the score up on people, man. Like. They, like, they, they were playing the good defenses. Like, I think T. Higgins is good, but he's not 33 good. I don't disagree. We'll call the new podcast. I don't disagree. Yeah, it's been a lot of agreement. Um, let's get out of here. It's too late. I was going to say, is Debo keep adding things to the rundown? What's going on? I keep scrolling down and down. It won't stop. I'm vetoing everything else. No, I'm, I'm going to say one more thing. I'm going to say go, one no, more no, thing. Go ahead. Unload, unload your notebook. Because as you were talking about the Vikings, you kind of quickly went over Ezra Cleveland. You know, one of the losers that we did not discuss who came to my Gosh, mind as we were talking about it? Trent Williams. Really? Where is he going to go? Good call. Apparently, uh, per, I think it was JP Finley, a friend of the program and, uh, uh, yeah, good buddy of the program. He said that the Redskins were trying to like, People were calling them like, hey, we'll give you a, a second-round pick or a third-round pick, and they wouldn't take anything for him. Just take something for him. He won't play for you. He's I, not going to play for you. They're still playing hardball and not taking anything? It's insane. Hmm. What was the highest offer they had whenever at any point in this conversation? I mean, here? Any A second-round pick, who cares? But did, Were there any reports that they had been offered a first-round pick, say, a year ago when all this started happening? I think there was one. I think there was a report that that maybe Cleveland had talked about a first round pick last year. I I don't know that I buy that, but I think I did see that report swirling at some point. I don't know what these people are doing. All right, fair enough. Yeah, I don't know where Williams goes. What? Before we get out of here, (laughs) best player available. I will say Curtis Weaver because I. His production is outside fantastic. linebacker Boise State, of course, as everyone knows. Of course, who doesn't know this at this point? You Remember, know, so you're talking to the masses. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he's got great production. He's a guy that gets off blocks pretty easily. Um, you know, there's a lot that I like about him. I'm, I can't say that I'm terribly surprised he's still on the board here, but I think he's going to be great value for a team that picks him up at this point. How much you two cornerbacks? Bryce Hall at EVA, he broke his ankle, or at least I had love a- Bryce Hall. He at least had ankle surgery in the November, I think. So he missed like the final um, four or five games. If he'd come out in 2018, he probably would have been uh, in the second round conversation. Maybe he's sunk to the first, but he's still out there. So I don't know what's going on there. And Amik Robertson, another cornerback out of Louisiana Tech, uh, he's only 5'8", 
but he is a dog. He he plays extremely physical. Um, he is he's a great cover corner. Um, he'll have to kick inside uh, in the NFL eventually, but he can play outside too if you want him to. And, and if he were five eleven, six feet, he'd be second, third round pick easy. How many people will accidentally draft Lamar Jackson, the cornerback from Nebraska, when they're trying to draft Bill O'Brien? Done. <laughs> um, Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson. We got him too. You're done. He's like trades Lamar. He trades Deshaun Watson of New England. I got Lamar Jackson, sucker. Um, I do feel like this draft class took a steep drop after the after the day two. How so? I mean. Oh, after day like, two. I mean, like the guys you're taking to day two were day one guys. I thought you said it was a, like a steep drop. I'm saying now it's taking a steep drop down. Yeah, that's fine. Was, we can talk about it tomorrow on the Pick Six podcast show. We do it live. Do it live. We'll do it live. Good talk, guys. See you tomorrow. It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.